morning those are on the live stream. I'm so grateful to stand before you here and share God's word with you this morning. And as we continue our study in Hebrews, our scripture reading comes from Hebrews 11, 17 through 28, which is in your bulletin. So please follow along as I read the passage. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, It is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. The word of the Lord. So last Sunday, we learned eight attributes about Abraham's faith from Pastor Doug, and today's text continues the faith of Abraham. If the last week's text focused on Abraham's faith as a pilgrim to God's promised land, the text for today focuses on Abraham's faith put to the test by God. Our text for today is arranged in such a way that it is easy for us to divide that up into three parts. So first part is Abraham's faith tested by God. The second part is other patriarchs' faith in the face of death. And lastly, Moses' faith also tested through suffering. What is common in the faith of all these examples is that their faith was under severe, serious pressure, either by a test, death, or suffering. But their faith under pressure shined not only in the midst of them, but also because of them. So first, Abraham's faith tested by God, verses 17 through 19. The test in question here is the one from Genesis 22, 1 through 8, in which God commanded Abraham the following, and I quote, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. Genesis 22, verse 2. When Abraham obeyed God's command to leave his hometown, not knowing where he was going, that's from the last week's text, Hebrews 11, verse 8. When Abraham obeyed that, Abraham had to surrender his past, leaving everything up to the call of God. But when Abraham was now called to Mount Moriah to offer up his own son to God, he was asked to surrender his entire future to God as well. Long after the hope of progeny had faded for Abraham and Sarah, God promised Abraham that he would have a numerous posterity. But it took at least two decades for God's promise of a son to be fulfilled. Then the long-awaited son, Isaac, was finally born. And according to God, it was through Isaac that Abraham's descendants would be traced, verse 18. So the fulfillment of God's promise of a numerous posterity indeed depended upon Isaac's survival and life. But it was this Isaac who had to be sacrificed by his own dad, this is a very difficult story, and it raises a number of questions for many contemporary readers because it seems as though God's command contradicts God's own character for one thing. And it also, it seems to uh, contradict the basic principle of human affection. But the problem that our author and the author of Genesis focuses on it's rather a theological problem. The demand for Isaac's life by God was the severe test of Abraham's faith because it threatened the fundamental integrity of God's promise. What should Abraham do then? If he would obey and sacrifice Isaac, from a human perspective, God's promise would be gone, period. And that would raise questions about the integrity of God's promise and even his character. But if Abraham wouldn't obey God, he would fail God's test. And we would actually have not read about Abraham as a hero of faith today. That was Abraham's problem. How could the promise of God and the command of God be reconciled? But at that moment, Abraham brought another perspective, the vision of faith. As F.F. F. Bruce, a famous New Testament scholar notes, in Genesis 22, Abraham treated the problem, that is the apparent contradiction between God's promise and God's command, as though it's God's problem. He said to Isaac, quote, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That's Genesis 22, verse 8. Yet, yes, it was for God 
not for Abraham to reconcile God's promise and God's command. Why? Because that problem was God-sized problem. It's way beyond Abraham's capacity and comprehension. So what did Abraham do? By faith, Abraham focused on his part. That is, he obeyed rather immediately and persistently. As he did his part of obeying, Abraham trusted that God would fulfill God's part, God's responsibility, even to raise someone from the dead, verse 19. Thomas Long, another New Testament commentator, says, because of Abraham's faith, the prospect of losing Isaac did not force him to give up or lose his grip on God's promise. It actually refined his faith, teaching him about the possibility of resurrection. Therefore, our author says, figuratively speaking, since God gave Isaac back, Abraham did experience a resurrection as a foreshadowing of the future resurrection of the dead. Therefore, the faith that Abraham demonstrated then is the faith that overcame and even transcended death, not only because of his own faith, but also because of God's own faithfulness to his promise. Now the second part, other patriarchs' faith in the face of death, verses 20 through 22. In a brief summary fashion, our author mentions the faith of the next three generations as, he, as his exemplars of faith. Like Abraham, these patriarchs had the visionary perspective of faith. What I mean by that is that they had a forward-looking, future-oriented faith, which allowed them to see beyond the limit of their own lives to the future guaranteed by the reality of God's promise. So by faith, Isaac offered blessings to Jacob and Esau. That's from Genesis 27. By faith, Jacob continued that pattern, blessing the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh from Genesis 48. And by faith, Joseph recognized the prospect of the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And he ordered that when the time of his death arrived, his bones would not remain in Egypt, but they were to be carried into Canaan, the land of God's promise from Genesis 50. Now, why is this act of blessing the next generation by each patriarch an act of faith? In each of these events, death confronted each of the patriarchs. And each patriarch spoke of things that were as yet unseen. Then, their bestowing of final blessings demonstrates that even when they were dying, they continued to look forward to the fulfillment of God's promise, the promise that they would have numerous descendants on earth and have the land of Canaan. Therefore, the faith of these patriarchs tangibly 
illustrate the truth of the Hebrews 11 verse 13. So that's from the last week's text, but I have provided that for you in your bulletin at the end of the today's text. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. Hebrews 11:13. So in William Lane's paraphrase, Although they all died without having experienced the fulfillment of God's promise, they saw the realization of the promise with the eyes of faith and greeted them from a distance. In this way, their faith also transcended death, like that of Abraham. Now, um, if you are in the position of blessing your children, grandchildren or great-grandchildren or nieces or nephews, please do so regularly. By faith, speak God's truth and blessings into their lives and remind them of God's promises from the Bible because it is one of the great privileged acts of faith we can do. Finally, Moses his faith under pressure. Verses from 23 through 28. Moses plays a crucial role in the story of faith, but that role was significantly threatened from the moment of his birth. In Exodus 1, the Egyptian king Pharaoh ordered to kill all male Hebrew infants in order to restrict the rapidly growing population of Israelites in his kingdom. Therefore, our author's treatment of Moses' faith starts with the faith of Moses' parents when he was a baby. So, when he was born, Moses' parents courageously hid him for three months in defiant disobedience to the royal edict. That's verse 23. According to the Hebrew text of Exodus, it's Moses' mother who did that. But our uh, author is following the Septuagint, the, Hebrew, the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, and it attributes this hiding to both parents. Now, there are two reasons given for this hiding. First, because Moses was beautiful. That's straight from Exodus 2. Moses was stunningly attractive and beautiful as a baby that makes you speechless. I, I, I don't have any other sort of explanation for that. It makes me speechless too. Um, now, New International Version translates it as, uh, Moses was no ordinary child, implying that somehow the Moses' parents had a spiritual insight into his significance from early on in his life. The second reason given is that Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict, verse 23. Here, the author's point is that Moses' parents chose to fear God rather than the king. They exercised their faith under pressure by acting boldly on behalf of God's future 
rather than succumbing to the worldly power. Therefore, we also see this forward-looking faith at work in Moses' parents. Of what or whom are you afraid in exercising your faith? Is there a situation in life that you need to consciously choose to fear God than any power in this world and act accordingly? In the rest of the verses, verses from 24 through 28, we see Moses as the exemplar of faith for a struggling and discouraged congregation, none other than the author's own congregation. Our author of Hebrews gives three examples from Moses' life to encourage his own congregation to do the right thing under pressure. So first, by faith, Moses chose to identify with the enslaved and suffering people of God rather than with the privileged and powerful Egyptian royal family. That's verses from 24 through 25. In Exodus 1 and 2, we do read about the first forced labor that the Egyptian king imposed upon the Hebrew slaves, and also about an Egyptian's beating of a Hebrew slave, which angered Moses and alienated him from his adopted parents. Moses' choice of identifying himself with the enslaved and suffering Israelites resulted in great personal cost. The loss of wealth, status, and power, and a mistreatment. But in Moses' deliberation, the temporal wealth of Egypt was far less valuable than the stigma of the Christ. So our author claims that the Moses actually suffered for the Christ for he was looking ahead to the reward, verse 26. When Christ came, Moses and all others with faith received that reward because Jesus has set free and empowered all humans under the slavery of sin to enter into God's throne of grace with confidence as heirs of God's promises. Moses' faith, then, bears witness to Hebrews 11.6, to the reality of, God's, reality of God as the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. As I mentioned, the author's congregation was facing the very situation of suffering, abuse, loss of property, and imprisonment because of their faith in Christ. We know this from chapter 10, 32 through 34. And therefore, they are facing the same choice of Moses. Would they stay in and with the family of God, where there is suffering and testing with no end in sight, where they are exposed to a discouraging hardship and persecution? Or would they follow what appeared to be an easier, more comfortable lifestyle out in the world? According to William Lane, again, the congregation was to identify with the experience of suffering Moses in their perseverance of faith because he had endured what they had experienced. 
second. By faith, Moses left Egypt unafraid of king's anger, verse 27. This verse seems to contradict Exodus 2, 14 through 15, which says, when Moses had killed an Egyptian taskmaster, he fled for his life to Midian, the wilderness, because he was afraid. Now, how do you reconcile these two verses? The author of Hebrews, remember, is interpreting the Exodus passage rather than contradicting it with what comes next in verse 27, which says, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. So from our author's perspective, Moses' departure from Egypt was an act of faith because it's motivated by the vision of the invisible God. Like verse 26, which says Moses was looking ahead to the reward. And like Abraham, the subsequent patriarchs, and even Moses' parents, Moses' faith was oriented toward the future because it grasped the reality of God and the reality of God's reward in response to faith. Can we see this God this unseen reality of God in our daily walk with God? Do you take hold of this reality of God, this reality of God's promise and reward to those with faith? Third, finally, by faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Verse 28. As many of you know, the Passover was a ceremony. It's a ritual commemorating the sparing of the Israelites when God destroyed the firstborn of all the households and flock of Egypt. That's in Exodus 12. God promised that when he saw the blood on the top and the size of the doorframe, he would pass over the threshold of the home and therefore prevent the angel of death from entering the house. In faith, Moses and the Israelites obeyed God's command with regard to an as yet unseen event, only with their faithful obedience, their firstborn children and livestock were spared from the plague of death. So what can we conclude from these exemplars of faith, from Abraham to Moses? Under the pressure of testing, even in death and suffering, our physical eyes can see only what oppresses us in the present. We see only the abuse of tyrannical power, the trauma of domestic abuse, the despair of depression, the cancer in the stomach or brain, the scars of systemic racism, or the open wounds in relationships. Faith sees all of that. It's not blind to the fallen reality of this world. It does not pretend that there is no fear, or no evil, no systemic injustice, no disease. Nonetheless, 
faith also sees God in the very midst of those trials. The God who promises to bring justice and an end to all that oppresses and destroys. Faith sees God, the God who promises to bring healing and restoration to the broken lives. The God who promises that nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus. The God who promised that he's always with us to the end of the age. The God who promises that his grace is sufficient for all of us because his power is made perfect in our weakness. This is our God of promise who instills within us the hope against all hopes. This is our God who provided a great high priest who in every respect has been tested just as we are, and yet who also enables us to receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Do you see this God at work in your life? If not, why not? What are the promises of God you are holding on to, or rather need to hold on to by faith? Like Abraham, the patriarchs, and Moses, by faith we are called to testify to God who is invisible, and also to look forward to God's reward in our respective situations of joy, challenges, and trials. But remember, unlike Abraham, the patriarchs, and Moses, we all have already received God's greatest promise and reward, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then how much more should our faith move us toward God who surely keeps promises? Let us have a moment to reflect on the message. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.